This is a horror podcast. It exists to provoke and alarm and unnerve. None of us will judge you if you turn away. But if you wish to proceed, it's your choice. Yours and yours alone. There is no God. Love is impossible. There is no escape from a cold, uncaring universe. Love is a lie. God is your enemy. Down below the reservoir, something stirs. Down below the reservoir, something stirs. There's something wrong. You know it. A deep, deep wrong. Episode 68. On Tuesdays we wear sexy hats and tell ourselves it's fine to bleed. All right, all right. Keep your hair on. Well? His face up. Puckering, bloating thing, lips curling in vain to contain the glee. His eyes like the freckles on dice, rolling, spinning, juddering to a stop. His eyebrows manic shrugs of amber fluff, fish-hooking up and down his face. Stonely wanted me to say it. Unspoken words bulged out his lips into a pout, puffed his cheeks to swallow eyes. His hands enwrapped in shopping bags, palsied with pleasure, rustling, rustling. Smirking, I leant against the doorframe. Let the pressure build. See who breaks first. Excited words worked in the softness of his face, boiling, broiling, until, with a burst of exasperation, Stoney threw his chin upwards, hands shuddering. Christ, just say it! I examined the cuticles of my right hand minutely. Say what? I asked, nonchalance leaving the words half-formed, as if I could go a hundred lives and never know the answer. He narrowed his eyes. Oh, you! He shook his head, words unfit to express his detestation. In one swift, tumbling jounce my facade fell. We shared a wide, face-cracking grin. What day is it? I asked. Stoney held the plastic bags level with his face, shook them from side to side. It's Tuesday! Stoney knelt beside my bed. His hands scurried in the plastic bag, closed upon their quarry, then backed out delicately. What about this one? The brim's rather fetching, don't you think? My breath caught. In his hands, an emerald Homburg, flecked with tiger's eyes. Its gross-grain ribbon a murderous electric pink, the brim a tinkling cascade of teardrops linked with copper rings. Can I? I held out my hand. The green felt was lovely to touch, and the faux diamond split the light in rainbows. How sexy is this? I asked. Stonely waggled his fluffy eyebrows. It's a five. I caress it. (sighs) Don't know if I could pull off a five. He rolled his eyes. Oh, come on. Little children wear fives. You're more than ready. 
shouldn't I try a three, and if that works, go to four? Just for safety. Walk before you run and all that. His eyelids came down, scorn bleeding into every syllable. Five is the lowest I have. Honestly, if you choose anything less than five, I'm telling you now, we are not friends. I will not be seen with anyone sporting a four. Certainly not a three. I looked at it. Maybe if we take the diamonds off the brim? Stonely recoiled. Have you had a stroke? The brim is the sexiest part. Give it back to me. He held out his hand, fingers snapping inward impatiently. I can't trust you with that. Give. Oh, calm down. I'm not going to do anything. He scowled, but his hand fell. You better not. I placed the green Homburg carefully on the bed. What else can I try? A sudden winning smile heralded another rummagey rustle. This is a six. My mouth opened, and an open palm shushed me. Don't panic. It's not an ostentatious six. It's an understated six. I think it'd look the business on you. And as he extracted it slowly... He sang. Act like you know, Rico. I know what Bo don't know. Touch them up and go. Uh-oh, cha chang chang He smiled and held it up. A top hat passed to me to hold. And I could see that what I thought was solid black was instead a pattern of leopard spots in grey and anthracite, alternating matte and gloss, and the brim was ribbed in charcoal bones, and from the dark grey puggery, a feather, long and straight, honey brown and stroked in black. I run my thumb along it. Stoning leans towards me. The feathers from a pheasant's tail. Soft, lightly scented. It's real. My uncle snared it. And bones on the brim are drops of coal. Annette, he learned their language. Close to me. The material's dark, compliments your eyes. Breath on my ear. I like it. Stoney sat back suddenly, grinned. I knew you would, trust me. Placing the top hat on my lap, I asked... What are you going to wear? Me? I've got a nine ready to go. Atomic fuchsia zucchetto. Leather chin strap. Falsetto paneling. But get that hat on. Let's see the fit. I looked at him. I can't. Sorry, Stonely. I'm not sure how. He made a face. Want me to hold your hand as well? There's no need to be... Just show me how to put it on, okay? I want to get it right. Upon the heavens it is orbs alight, and slackly peeved his mounted sigh. You'll have to learn to put one on eventually. I will. Just show me how, okay? I've only worn twos and threes. Chewing his lip, Stoney opened a brown cloth bag. Pay attention. He emptied it out onto the bed. Needle, thread, glue, staples, pins... Thumbtacks, razor blades, flupertine. His eyes twinkled, a French accent slithering between his lips. I shall do this only once. In the end, we had to do it four times. 
Oh. Oh. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, <sighs> Flubertine dulled my pain, but I felt blood dribble down the curve of my ear. It's fine. Bleeding is fine. Absolutely. He gritted his teeth, pushed the pin in. Fine. Oh. The sound of metal forcing itself stubbornly in stages into bone sent vibrations crunching down my neck. He dabbed with a cloth. You will be fine. Just think how sexy you'll be. A six. <laughs> Bet you never thought you'd get that far so soon. Suppose not. <laughs> Stoney's hand was upon my upper arm. Just imagine me and you striding down the main street and nine and a six. They'll, they'll shit themselves on those twos and threes. If you say so. <laughs> I do say so. Now. He put a wooden spoon between my teeth. Bite down on the handle. I'm just about to do the hooks. Oh, God, do you have to? Shush, shush now. Under the brim, Stonely cut shallow grooves. That was fine. Couldn't feel them. But when he bent lengths of wire into double-ended hooks and speared them, heated through muscle... Ah! Well, I went to sleep for a while. When I woke up... My sexy hat was secured to my scalp by glue and hooks and staples, and I blinked eyes stiffened with dried blood. Stoney knelt beside me. He tugged the brim of my hat. Now that's secure. I smiled weakly. Now, more importantly, which one do you want? Purple or paisley? I pointed at the purple thong. Lord, have mercy. We hit the town. Hard. The music burst from Stoney's cassette player, perched unflappably on his shoulder. It was cold in just a thong, no matter how sexy our hats were. And uncomfortable. As we walked up the centre of Main Street, people turned to look. Stoney, I said. Stoney. Ah, oh, let them. Jealous. Like they could pull off anything sexier than a one. A man in the door of the pharmacy, Wolf whistled. And when we turned to look, he shook his hips from side to side and grinned. Jealous. Jealous. Nervously, I touched my top hat and I must have torn something free. Ah, because a panther's tail of blood dropped curling into my eye. Stonely, I squeaked. It's fine. It's fine. And he thumbed the fluid away from my lids. Just the skin. Just the skin. And there, kneeling in the roadway, we heard it. High and distant, echoing along the lines of shops so that words are lost in the sound of each other. Music. And blood scooped from my eye, I saw them, stepping into line at the turn in the road between the vets and the Protestant graveyard. A half dozen, wearing hats and thongs, and all with chromium cassette players glistening on their shoulders. Tits McGuinness and Bosco Sherlock and the rest of the Black Hill Boys.
I'm scared, I said. Fix your hat, tease a curl of hair down over your eye. We make history today. And leaning, Stonely kissed me, lightly, on the lips. And long I felt it so, found my fingers touching, touching my lips again. Lifting the cassette player, he strode away. I rose and stumbled after him. We stopped by the toll house. Look at them. We can take them. Tits McGuinness slunk forward, biting his lip, his swaggering palms outstretched, the noon sun playing on his saffron polyester tam his plum gabardine thong. He hooked his thumbs into his underwear and shouted, Stoley! What's your answer? You're going to step in time with the Black Hill Boys? You're going to keep going your own way? Stoney winked at me. His finger raked the line of posing men. A two? A two? A three? And what's that? He jabbed his finger at a fat, sunburnt gent. A balaclava with fuck written on it. Oh, come on, Bosco. That's not sexy at all. That's barely a one. Jesus, lads, you're not even trying. Stonely spun elegantly. You see what I'm wearing? You see what me and my boy are wearing? Black Hill boys can't handle that much sexy. McGuinness turned bright red. You watch your fucking mouth, Stonely. M- my boys... Can't even spell sexy. You're the sorriest, most frigid-looking crew it's ever been my misfortune to encounter. Just talking to you takes my nine down to a seven. My eyes were on the fists of McGuinness, swollen fingers grind against each other like uncooked liver. That's your answer. Cross my heart. Hope to die. That can be arranged. McGuinness lunged at Stoneley and the world around me exploded into movement and sound. I only saw snatches of it. Frozen moments. Stoneley, ducking under the fist of McGuinness and rising, jabbing an elbow into the flab of his neck and sending him gasping onto his face. Stonely, spinning to kick a stone a hundred yards to knock the sexy cap off one of McGuinness's boys. Stonely, turning to me, saying, Keep down, keep quiet, think of all the sequins we'll plunder. The cassette player spun like a hammer, bursting in a spray of plastic and metal on the chest of one, blinding another, both caps thrown high in the air. McGuinness in the gutter shouting, Their hats! Knock their fucking hats off! Bosco Sherlock, weeping, bleating as Stoney pulls his balaclava off and slaps the livid sunburnt pork of his shoulder blades. <laughs> and me, my back against the wall of the chipper, watching Stoney go to work and laughing, feeling the softness of the sexy hat he had me wear. I wore a six for him. Next time, I'll wear a nine. We'll both wear nines. Together. And Stoney landing a click on a flabby thonged arse and joining me in laughter and looking to me with flashing eyes. And McGuinness. Suddenly, it's in the hand of McGuinness, a blade the length and thickness of my thumb. And in that moment, thoughts dropping through me clear and cold. The rules. That's against the rules. Tits McGuinness snarls. Stonely doesn't see. I sprint. I put myself between the blade and Stonely and then... I go to sleep for a while.
And when I wake up, he's there. And the hat looks so good on him. Stonely, I say. Stonely. Stonely, I've something to... He's holding my hand. Stonely, I've... I've something. Hold on, Petey. There's the siren. Hear that? They're coming. Just... Just hold on. He smiles. Hold on. I can't. I'm sorry, Stonely. I can't. And down below the reservoir, something stirs. Down Below the Reservoir is written by Graeme Tugwell and performed by Sarah Maria Griffin, Dave Rudden, Deirdre Sullivan and Graeme Tugwell. This podcast is recorded and sound designed at Displace Studios Dublin and produced by Rebecca Gimblet. Down Below the Reservoir is a work of fiction and any resemblance to places or people living or dead is purely coincidental. A new episode of Down Below the Reservoir is available every two weeks through iTunes, Stitcher and at downbelowthereservoir.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter and our Patreon crowdfunding campaign. Only through your support and donations is Down Below the Reservoir made possible. Join us. And remember, everyone drinks the water here.